Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, we are answering a couple more of your questions. We have a question about Ben Roethlisberger and whether or not 2018 was his best season yet. Yes, he had a statistically great season, but did the play on the field match the numbers that he put up? We're also going to talk about whether or not Justin Lane could work his way into the starting lineup in his rookie season. All of that today on the show. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit the like button there. Make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. It's also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. They are ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap. It's a great Father's Day gift. So go to Grip6.com. They have a special offer for you at Grip6.com slash lock. That's Grip6.com slash L-O-K-E. All right, Chris, how you doing today? Doing great, man. How you doing, Tony? Doing good, doing good. Steelers OTAs are over, but that doesn't mean we have we don't have anything to talk about. We got we got a couple of listener questions to go over today. Also, some notes out of Brown's minicamp that I think you're all very much going to enjoy. But before we get to that, I do want to mention uh, Zach Gentry, the rookie tight end. He wore 83 at Michigan. Was going to wear 83 with the Steelers, and of course that was Heath Miller's number. Heath Miller retired. Uh, I think it's what it's it's almost been five years, four years since that happened. Uh, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger asked Zach Gentry not to wear 83. Asked him to wear a different number out of respect for Heath Miller. The Steelers are not an organization that retires numbers, but they don't give away their big ones, right? I mean, you don't. No one wearing 12 for the Steelers, uh, you know, with, with Terry Bradshaw. And there's a lot of other numbers in that in that vein. Ben Roethlisberger asking, you know, not that 83 basically be given up forever, but for Zach Gentry at tight end, hey, you know, maybe we don't wear it, and so he will be wearing 81. A nice gesture both from Ben. And from Zach Gentry to give that up and, and switch numbers. Yeah, I mean, Heath Miller has always been Ben's boy. I mean, yeah. that's been that's been something that he's emphasized for years. They've been really tight. Um, so it, it, it makes sense. And, you know, like, like you said, the Steelers are very selective. You know, you think they should do like a, like a ring of honor or like a, like a Hall of Fame in their own stadium so that they can kind of reuse it. Cause eventually you're going to run out of numbers that you can't use. That's why right. you, you got players like Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, whose play, whose names, whose numbers have been used. Yeah. But you know, then there's certain people like Demarty Dawson, never been another 63, Mike Webster, no 52, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Franco Harris, um, you know, and Heinz Ward is one of those guys. And I guess Heath Miller had been one of those guys until Zach Gentry came along. So, um, you know, there's, there's several guys out there, you know, I, I, I didn't name all of them, everyone. So don't, don't, don't come, don't come down at me just because I didn't name your favorite old Stealer that <laughs> yeah. who hasn't had his number worn. No, but, there, uh, there won't be a 36. I mean, you know, there, there's just so right. many. Yeah. A 43. But, right. Yeah. 43. Yeah. There's not going to be another 43. You know, it's weird because during preseason, you might see some of these numbers out there just because it's a 90 man roster and you, you, there's just not enough numbers. Uh, but, but by the time the regular season rolls around, those players Long and the Steelers do have that Hall of Honor, right? But it's not really a, a number retirement right. thing, right? It's right. more of just kind of celebrating all the best Steelers. And they did that that kind of big, you know, that when they first introduced the Hall of Honor, I mean, they put every great Steeler in it all at once. And so yeah. uh, 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we get into, I think last year they put a couple more players in and some scouts. Uh, I think Rock, Rocky Blyer, Alan Fanica were in last year. It'll be interesting to see who gets added to that Hall of Honor over the next couple years. Uh, but I thought that was a nice nice gesture from Ben. Like you said, Ben and Heath Miller were, were great friends and, and great teammates. I mean, you know, Heath Miller was was Ben's safety valve for his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, and then here, let's get to this news out of Browns minicamp because I know we've, we've been mocking the Browns uh, every once in a while here with just how much publicity they're getting this offseason. Uh, but we actually have some real, actual drama, Chris. Not a liked tweet, right? Not, not, some, not some weird social media stuff. Duke Johnson wants out of the Cleveland Browns and he's at Browns minicamp because it's required, right? This is, this is, uh, this is a requirement of all these players to be there. And so Duke, Duke Johnson has to be there, even though he doesn't want to be. And Aditi Kumbawala, who's at Browns camp, tweeted that Duke Johnson is out with the second team here at Browns minicamp practice. He may have told the media he wants to be traded, but head, head coach Freddie Kitchen said, quote, as far as the media-driven controversies, there is no controversy on our team, and uh, that's the only ones that matter. Now, I, Freddie Kitchens may want to make, a, you know, make light of this, but a, a player being at camp openly saying, I want to be traded— that's not a great look for a team that you know has all these high aspirations of winning the division. I mean, this is where the Steelers were a year a year ago with the Le'Veon Bell situation. Yeah, I mean, this is something that uh, I think you know, and it's Duke Johnson. Let's 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 be clear. They they drafted Nick Chubb. He's pro, he's gonna, he's going to get a lot of carries. They also they signed Kareem Hunt. So I mean, Duke Johnson is also not a, is not a superstar player. So let, let's be fair to them. Sure. But at the okay. same time, you're you're looking at this, and if, if this was. If this was uh, not even James Conner, if, if Jalen Samuel said this in a couple of years, people would be losing their minds about the Steelers and saying that they're, they're out of control and there's all these other things. And, and that's not the narrative going on with the Browns. It's just sort of like, well, you know, you know, do, you know it, it hasn't been, you know, sensationalized because it's the Browns. You don't sensationalize things about the Browns because they're not the organization that everyone pays attention to. Um, so, um, so yeah, certainly a lot of questions there, you know, as far as what's going on. Um, and Freddie Kitchens saying, you know, he's going to be here. We, you know, he's going to get utilized as, as he should as a running back for this organization until he's not part of the organization anymore. Um, but very odd for uh, Duke Johnson to come out and say that right now. It's, it's not like this guy is a hot commodity on the NFL market right now. And I mean, he's seen how, I mean, Le'Veon Bell thought he was going to break the bank with uh with his push in free agency and it didn't happen i I would think that someone of duke johnson's caliber might like step back and say hey you know what i'm okay with my job right now yeah but look you're you're right to point out that if this happened in pittsburgh i mean it would be all hands on deck of everyone in the pittsburgh media i mean this this would lead every show in pittsburgh this would even trickle its way into the national media of another you know another example of the steelers drama and and this is the kind of thing that happened to the Steelers a couple years back when they started bringing in all these big personalities and it kind of got out of control, right? And you can see that now happening somewhat. And I agree with you that, look, Duke Johnson's not Le'Veon Bell. I, I agree there. But this is not a good look for that team, right? I mean, oh, like, I agree. Yeah, th- this is a team that needs to be focused on winning because, you know, they haven't had a winning record in forever. Uh, you know, so so this is something that we Steeler fans know about, right? We, we, we have seen what happens when you start to have these little pieces of discord amongst your team, and, it, uh, you know, all of a sudden it spirals and spirals and spirals, and now, you know, it just becomes the, the story every single week, and no matter what the team does, it always becomes a story. And you can start to see signs of that with the Browns right now, and, and, and we'll see how this goes. But, again, we're just at the start of minicamps. You know, who knows what will be happening between now One and the week. start of 
one week they don't sign Gerald McCoy, the next thing their, their Duke Johnson is requested to be traded. What's happening with the Browns? Right, exactly. I mean, this is the kind of thing. This is how the narrative gets spun, though, right? It's because this is just the first thing that happens, and if if this all of a sudden becomes a trend, that is the kind of thing that's going to get said about Cleveland, much like it was said in the past about the Steelers. All right, let's, let's does get to this some- change their Super Bowl hopes, Tony? Because that's that's what everyone wants to know. They're, these guys were shoo-ins to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I was going to so, say, what Clint, Super Bowl so it, hopes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I'm just being sarcastic. Here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, let, let's get to some listener questions today. We have a couple. If you want to write in, at LO Steelers on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook. Join the Facebook group. You can write your question there, and we will read it here on the air. Andrew wrote, actually, Chris, let's talk for a second. We had that quarterback discussion a couple days ago about Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger. And, and I mean, listen, the slander you were throwing out about, about Phillip Rivers, it got some notice. I, do you want to say anything? There, there were a couple of uh, Chargers fans that hit you up on Twitter. You know, you want to apologize in any way about, about all the things you were saying about Phillip Rivers? You went kind of hard the other day. Yeah, I, I have this to say to our esteemed listeners who are indeed Chargers fans. I must say, in as a follow-up, to the things that I said about your favorite quarterback, Philip Rivers. I stand by them 100%, <laughs> and there is nothing that I change. You can go home and still be mad about me and write me on Twitter. I will go at you all day, every day about <laughs> Philip Rivers. So, good day, sir. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey, before we continue, want to let you guys know about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready when that opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visit, there's no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for listeners of Locked On Steelers. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. You're just going to pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. To try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Well, we also got we also got Andrew on Twitter who wrote in to say, because we were all talking about Aaron Rodgers that podcast. I think you and I both put Aaron Rodgers as our second best quarterback um, in the NFL right now. Andrew on Twitter wrote in to say, Is Rodgers even that good? He came back this year, was kind of bad, even when the coach left, his production was bad, and he stopped pulling off the amazing comebacks because Ben had his best season yet, and yet Rodgers seem to be down. Let, let's start here with the idea of Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, because I think you and I can both agree. Mike McCarthy and that offense was was holding back Aaron Rodgers in a big way. I think it was Tom Brady even who said, if if Rodgers played in a system like mine, he, he would he would break every record in the book. Um, and so I'm excited to see what Aaron... Look, I, I understand that, that McCarthy was fired midseason last year, and so Rodgers did get a chance to play in a different offense. But I'm excited to see what he can do in an offense... I know it's Matt LaFleur, but just, just give him something else to work with. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, but I mean, also, you look at, again, let's talk about efficiency. Sure. It, 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 Julio, my man, let me, let, let, let me talk to you real quick. You're, no, you're Andrew, saying that. Andrew, not Julio. Julio's oh, I'm next. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Julio's next. My bad. My bad. Andrew, let me talk to you real quick about, about this situation, right? You're saying that, that Aaron Rodgers had a bad year. 
He threw 25 touchdowns and two interceptions. Two interceptions. Yeah. While he still threw for 4,442 yards. And, and I mean, come, come on. Yeah, sure. The Packers stunk because they do stink. As an organization around him, they have done a horrible job of reinforcing him. They have not backed up, you know, they have not given him a, a good replacement for Jordy Nelson. Devontae Adams still hasn't become the superstar that everyone thought he thought he would. You know, Randall Cobb is just kind of hanging around. You know, this this you know, they 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 really never got him a running back. Eddie Lacy was there for a hot second and then he kept getting fat. You know, Aaron Jones, they're hoping that he can really develop into something consistent. But what have what have they done with Aaron Rodgers? And, and, and this is a guy who twenty five and two, and, and and people feel like that's a bad year for him. That's how great Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, and, and he not only he, not only does he process the defenses, uh, and I won't say that he's as great as Brady as, as that, but I think the difference is is marginal, and his arm is a lot better than Brady's. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to when it comes to power and how far he can sling the ball and how accurate he slings the ball deep down the field in the different spots. You know, that's where he beats Brady out at him, you know, as far as like skill wise and his raw talent as a quarterback. So yeah, come on. It's like that, that, that's not the, that's the, that, that, that's not, that's not the way to go. This is uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, as Stephen A. Smith says is a bad man. You know, because he just tears you apart. I mean, and anyone that's, that's seen this guy in the playoffs, and Steelers fans, you saw him in the Super Bowl, and and yes, this was a long time ago. But that yeah, that guy, he is a bad guy, and he's yeah. gonna he's he's gonna rip your heart out. Uh, there's no way that I say that Aaron Rodgers is on a slump or anything like that. He's just on a well, bad team. I mean, you could say I mean, you can say he did have look the two interceptions. You you can't you you can't discount that in any way. I mean, if if Ben Roethlisberger on threw five hundred ninety seven attempts, no, I mean look, look, he threw an interception on point. Three percent of his of his attempts. It's an insane number. Yes, it led the NFL by a lot of a lot, right? I mean, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception on two point four percent of his uh, attempts, and everyone thought that last year that was okay, right? Because that that's actually less than his his um, correct his, his average. Is that one eighth? Is that one eighth of 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 a percentage of of Ben Roethlisberger's? Yeah. Um, yeah that, that's that's one eighth and, and everyone's excited about Ben Roethlisberger's percentage percentage number of interceptions. I mean Aaron Rodgers, that's elite, ladies and gentlemen. It's incredible. And, and, now and, well, you, you can say he did have a bit of a down year though, because the team didn't win and, and in big moments he didn't like I mean, I will give Andrew this, right? He didn't have those kind of spectacular moments at the end of games to to, to bring that team back and win a bunch of games that they should have lost, right? Which is which is what Aaron Rodgers has done his entire career, but you could very much tell midseason that he was done with Mike McCarthy. Uh, he was absolutely, absolutely done. Yeah, and so I, I think that played as much into it as anything. That's why I say, I mean, yes, it was a down year for Aaron Rodgers, and, and boy, wouldn't you like Ben Roethlisberger's down years to be where he threw two interceptions, and that's a down year? Um, and I think that's that's the other part of this that I want to talk to you about, Chris, is because the other part of Andrew's message here that, that I thought was interesting was he says that you know Ben had a career year. Ben had, a, ben had his best season yet. Now, I'm not I'm not willing to go that far. I mean, I know we talked about this the other day, and, and you and I both put Ben as a top five-ish quarterback, but I don't think 2018, even though, yes, he threw for 5,100 yards, and yes, he threw for 34 touchdowns, I don't think that was his best season at all. I mean, I don't even know that if, if it's, you know, he's a top three season, maybe, but 16 interceptions, regardless of the number of attempts, that's just too many. 
I agree with you. I mean, 16 interceptions, that, that, that's the efficiency problem that we were talking about that, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to worry about. Um, and he's a, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has been a guy that, you know, he, he doesn't really pride efficiency over success. He just kind of gets the job done. Um, and, and he trusts him and his, his arm and his team that they're going to find a way to win. Um, but I mean, you know, 34 touchdowns and, and 16 interceptions, uh, you know, you compare that to Russell Wilson who had 35 touchdowns. I think he had nine interceptions, you know, that's where, that's where, that's where the big difference is. And when you say that that's a career year for Ben, you know, as far as totals and, 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 you know, as far as like you getting as many as possible, sure. That's the most yards he ever had. Um, but I'd rather take the 2014 Ben Roethlisberger yeah. over over this year. I mean, in 2014, he he uh, he had a higher he had a higher completion percentage. He had four four thousand nine hundred fifty two yards, uh, which is just about like one hundred and maybe seventy yards short of what he got in 2018. Um, but he threw 32 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I'll take 32 and nine over 34 and 16 because you're putting your defense in a lot. Uh, and, and not nearly as bad spots in the in those games. Um, so yeah, I, I'm take I'm taking 2014 Ben Roethlisberger over him. I'm taking um, if I was to go back, I'd take 20 2012 and 2013 Ben Roethlisberger over him, even though those were those were rough years. Um, absolutely, I'd take 2007 Roethlisberger over that o- over this year. Um, yeah. But and, and ultimately, you know, still you know, the the one thing I will say is in most of those years though. You he had a ground game to balance him out, and in this year, uh, in 2018, he did. He he was they were working with James Conner and eventually Jalen Samuels, and trying to figure out how the ground game could work around it. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about next is this idea that Bruce Arians, uh, or Bruce Arians, uh, Randy Feekner takes over as offensive coordinator. Which, which does actually, I mean, it does remind me, the reason I said Bruce Arians is because it reminds me of the Bruce Arians era, right? Where, where Bruce Arians and Ben Roethlisberger were good friends. And that was kind of a, a more passing attack style of offense, right? The big chunk style of offense that Bruce Arians wanted. Um, and now you had this year with Randy Feekner where the Steelers really did get away from the running game. I mean, they, I mean Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 675 times. And, and when Ryan Switzer was asked at practice the other day about you know th- this idea that, look, you're going to lose Antonio Brown. You think you're going to go to more of a, a ground game now? Is there going to be as much opportunity as there was last year to integrate all these players into the offense with those 700 passes? And Switzer said, look, I don't think Ben's going to want to throw the ball any less just because he lost AB. So there's going to be plenty of chances for us. And Chris, you and I have talked about this before, you know, the, the idea that this team, this team does need to be more balanced this year with Benny Snell and James Conner now in his second year as a starter. you got Jalen Samuels there as well. There's a running game to be had. There's still the great offensive line that they have, and yet I still feel like you know Ben Roethlisberger and his worst impulses are that kind of pass, pass, pass mentality he had under both Bruce Arians, and now I know it's just one year of Randy Feekner, and maybe I am reading too much into this, but it does feel like that kind of close relationship, Ben kind of gets his way, and what we saw was nearly 700 passes from Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of that is going to happen with Randy Feekner. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can tell you the uh, when when I walked into uh, Cleveland Brown Stadium uh, in uh, or Paul Brown Stadium in a uh, uh, or not supposed the Bengals Stadium. I'm sorry. When I walked into into the the season opener two years ago, the first thing that I saw with Ben Roethlisberger was he was warming up with Randy Feekner in the hallway. Just tossing the ball around. Those guys, those, those guys trust each other. They always have, and I think that Randy Feekner wants to bring out the best parts of Ben Roethlisberger, um, and, and Ben Roethlisberger is excited to work with this guy. Uh, so 
Um, I, but I also think that Feekner, he he's ready to get creative with this offense. So it's going to be a matter of using uh, of using the what they have around them and helping Ben Roethlisberger as much as possible to be efficient. And maybe maybe now that it's not Todd Haley, and I, this is not a slight against Todd Haley. I think Todd Haley did a very good job at making Ben Roethlisberger be more efficient. You look at yes. his at his, at his sat totals over those years and you see how they went they went from in in, in 2013 he got sacked 42 times in 2014 33 in 2015 20 in 2016 17 and in 2017 21 i mean that they from 20 in 2013 or in 2013 when they, they halved it the difference between 2013 and 2017 yeah. and, and 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 what's crazy is 2018 with with twenty four sacks, that's the most he's had since twenty fourteen. So um, to me, that's what Todd Haley achieved. Even if Ben Roethlisberger didn't like them, e- even if there was there was something else going on there, I will say that Todd Haley achieved that. Now, Randy Feekner, I think that Ben Roethlisberger is a little bit more willing to listen to this guy, and he's going to work with him, and maybe he'll get some more results out of him while getting the efficiency going. So. Uh, but, that, but the, that's oppo- what I'm the opposite of that, though, is that is that Feekner is willing to listen more to Ben, which yes, I think is the problem. True. That could be a problem, and that that was what Bruce Arians went up against. But I, I I challenge that because I saw a lot more of Ben Roethlisberger checking down this year, even with his interceptions. Um, there were several times that he he opted to take the easier throw, which was something he never did with Aaron, Arians. You know, it, it, either it was a design screen where he just trusted that he that it was going to be open, or he was holding on to the ball and just thinking he could get the job done no matter what happened. Um, but uh, but but yeah, with with with, with Feekner, I think it's a good mix of both challenging Ben Roethlisberger and supporting Ben and, and having the support of Ben Roethlisberger to believe in the system that he's being given than to try and challenge it and change up things like we saw a couple times with Todd Haley. This is going to sound like a slight on Ben Roethlisberger, and I don't mean it to be, but this offense works best, has worked best in the last, I'll say five years. In the last five years, this offense has worked best when it's flowed through the running back and not the quarterback. When Le'Veon Bell was having his best games and, and he was the focal point of the offense, that was this offense at its absolute peak. And even last year, this offense was at its peak when James Conner was out there going wild. And I mean that in the running game and the passing game, because Conner was as big a part of the passing game as Le'Veon was in some of his best years. Um, And I think that's what they have to get back to in 2019, right? I I don't think this team is going to make the— if Ben Roethlisberger approaches 700 attempts again— I think we're, this this offense is going to be in a very similar place in that they've just turned the ball over too many times and they've just kind of got stuck in the mud too many times and and this team's going to be right around where it was nine and seven and looking looking from the outside uh, on and the playoff run. Yeah, I, I think that they need to find that balance and that's that's the yeah. primary focus of this offseason. Even even if it's not necessarily the run game itself, it's going to be the distribution of the football. Teams locked into onto Antonio Brown in key situations when Ben Roethlisberger locked into onto him. They need to avoid those situations with Juju Smith-Schuster, with Vance McDonald. They need to be able to get the ball, even if it's to players like Xavier Grimble, James Washington, Dante Moncrief. Make it so that as a defensive coordinator, I can't tell my guys, hey, he's going to this guy on third down. Take it away. Um, and I think there's times Ben Roethlisberger is on point and he's ready to do that. But then there's times he's not. And Randy Feekner needs to pull out the, more of those times 
when he is ready to do that than yeah. than not. Um, and I think, but I think that's what's going to happen. Feekner, there were several times I saw him horizontally stretch the field, not even vertically, just get Ben Roethlisberger to read the field properly, take the check down, and take the easy yards. He needs to do more of that in 2019. Yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about Todd Haley and, and, and the idea that Todd Haley had to go because of how Ben Roethlisberger felt about Haley and the fact that he was considering retirement because of how much he didn't like playing under Haley. But you, know, you, you cannot disregard the fact that uh, Todd Haley made Ben Roethlisberger better in a lot of ways, like you were saying, Chris. So hopefully Randy Feekner can kind of get that out of him in twenty in 2019. And, and look, I know Feekner, this is his first year as offensive coordinator. Yeah, give I know him time. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he, he admits that he, he didn't get guys involved in the offense quickly enough or um, that kind of thing, especially with guys like Connor. So we'll see how Feekner does in play calling in year two. All right, we're going to run a little long today, but I, I we, we promised Julio that we would uh, read his question we got you, as Julio. well. Yeah, so we'll, let's get to Julio's question. Julio on Facebook writing in, am I the only one that thinks if Justin Lane is anything like we saw on tape, he should start? If he picks up the defense and plays well in preseason, I think starting him opposite Joe Hayden would be best case scenario. Not in replacement of Nelson, but Nelson's a proven slot corner. Odd man out, unfortunately, is Mike Hilton in this case. Maybe that's why the Steelers are reluctant to sign him long-term. The writing's on the wall if you ask me. And if you're thinking, boy, this sounds a lot like the guy who wrote in and really excited about the defense last week. Yep, that's Julio as well. You can tell Julio <laughs> very excited about this defense, especially in a guy like Justin Lane. Chris, is he right to be excited, though, about Justin Lane, especially the, the idea that Justin Lane could work himself into being a starter throughout training camp and into preseason? Well, first thing I'll say, Julio, is uh, you know, it's okay to be excited about Justin Lane. But let's see how he does against NFL competition. You know, I looked at plenty of his tape too. Even before he was drafted, he was a guy that I had my eyes on. And the stuff that I, that you see is encouraging. But you got to see what it's like, not just against Big Ten talent or you know the occasional bowl game that, that that they might play in, and or you know the Senior Bowl if they got if if it's a player from there. You got to look at how they do when they start matching up with people regularly, and not just a couple times. But for an entire game, and you know, there are players that can get lucky, that can be, that can, that can, or have a hot day in the NFL. But when you line up against the best of the best week in and week out, and you find ways to succeed, that's what determines your your your, your reputation. I mean, Artie Burns, he had some really strong days in training camp where he would lock up Antonio Brown, and people would be like, "Whoa, this this guy is the future." And then we've all seen on you know on game day. He's had his good days. He's had his bad days. Um, and, and, you know, it, there's a lot that plays into it. Not that every cornerback is Artie Burns or Deion Sanders, but, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a situation where Justin Lane has to find his feet and prove himself. I don't think he's going to be that guy this year. I think Steven Nelson was a good starting cornerback last year for the, for the Chiefs. The Steelers have long been waiting for a guy that could step up and be – that starting caliber guy next, you know, you know, along they have two. No, no, sorry, not just one guy, but two guys. They've had yeah. jo- Joe Hayden for a couple of years now. Now they want to have a number two guy, and that they, they got one. So I don't think they're going to just brush past Stephen Nelson just to get uh, Justin Lane on the field. And I don't think Nelson is necessarily going to replace Hilton. They still want to see Hilton succeed at the at the slot position, um, and it's going to be interesting to see if he does because he put he put on weight. He's trying to be thicker. To uh to to get to tussling with people in the middle of the field, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the 
the way that Justin Lane could be inserted into the starting lineup is kind of a doomsday scenario in which, you know, in which Mike Hilton looks like a shell of his former self and yeah. they're forced to move Nelson on the inside. Although, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, he, he calls it the best case scenario here. It's a dream scenario. Imagine a world where the Steelers take a cornerback in the third round and he's so good throughout training camp and preseason that they're like, you know what? I know we just spent eight and a half million dollars a year on this outside corner, but we're going to kick him inside because this third round pick is so good. We're going to start him right away. I, you know, I, I've, I've made this point before and I know it sounds like hyperbole, but that would make Justin Lane the best cornerback the Steelers have drafted since Rod Woodson because they just, ha- I mean, they have been completely unable to draft this position for, I mean, what is it, 30 years now? I mean, it's insane, the fact that they have not been able to find that guy for so long. And if, if Justin Lane is that good, I mean, it's it's a remarkable accomplishment, a turnaround for this organization. I do think it's a bit unrealistic. Like you said, Chris, they got their guy in Nelson, who I think they want to be that outside guy. And yes, Nelson can play the slot, but I think it's going to be more in a uh oh, you know, something went wrong here, and we got, you know, we have to move Nelson in the slot in an emergency. Because the other guy that can play slot is, of course, Cam Sutton. Um, and so if the Steelers, you know, wanted the odd man out to be Mike Hilton and not want to re sign him to this contract, you know, Cam Sutton could be that guy. And I think they're, they're kind of grooming him in that position anyway, if they can't get a long term deal done with Mike Hilton. The other thing we should talk about with Mike Hilton, and we talked about this before, is just the fact that, they, I mean, even if Hilton wants this new contract, the Steelers at this point, given their salary cap, they just cannot afford to give it to him, no matter what it is. I mean, he's making $600,000 today. If they were to bump that up to two, three, four million million, $4 million a year, you're already putting the Steelers in a spot where they're, they're too far over the salary cap. They'd have to make some, some other moves to get that done. So um, th- those are the things, I think, to consider at this spot. Absolutely. I mean, you, you got to consider money. And, and this is what I was saying about Ben's extension, is that once he was signed, that's what was going to let you know how much was left around. And, you know, he signed in the upper echelon of the money that we were talking about. And now you're in a position where, you know, can they keep Mike Hilton? You know, can they keep Sean Davis? Can they keep, you know, what's going to happen to edge rusher with Bud Dupree? You know, can they sign free agents next year that are going to happen? What's going to happen with Joe Hayden? His contract's up. Um, there's, there's a lot of question marks right now with the Steelers team. And, you know, for all of the hype that's that's been around the defense and is excited about it, there's some real questions to see if they can keep this core together, um, especially now that they're finally starting to, you know, and they're finally starting to see confidence in the secondary because they're start, they're going to see continuity. They're going to see Hilton again in the slot. They're going to see Hayden as leading the cornerbacks. They're going to see a new guy in Steven Nelson. But finally, they're going to have two safeties that'll be playing in the same spots, you know, for you know, in a follow-up year. Both of which are guys that the the organization respects and and, and thinks highly of. Um, and, and this, and, and you know, this time next year, we may be talking about, you know, Hilton gone, Davis gone, um, you know, maybe yeah. Hayden gone. I mean, and that's, that's a huge chunk of what's brought confidence to this secondary. So yeah, lot, lots of realistic concern, uh, for the future of the organization. We got to see what they, what they try to do to save money. You know, who, who restructures this year? How does that impact future caps? And uh, who might get the axe, you know, and, and say try they as they try to save money going into uh, to to this season and next season. Now we're just talking about Justin Lane and kind of what we can expect. I, I do think that Justin Lane, if let's say Artie Burns makes it to training camp, right? Let's say he doesn't get cut 
uh, at minicamp, and he does make it to training camp. I mean, I think that, that a realistic expectation for Justin Lane at that point would be to beat out Artie Burns, right? To be that first corner off the bench. I mean, I think even that would be a hell of an achievement for him having having to fight against not just Artie Burns, but also Cam Sutton, who's going to be playing both outside and inside. I think, I think for, for Justin Lane, that'll be just as much an accomplishment as anything else. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be his his job is to is to make the roster. His job is to move up the depth chart. Um, if he sees some snaps, great. Um, you know, beat Brian Allen out, beat Artie Burns out, um, and, and maybe even beat Cam Sutton out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I also think Cam Sutton's a guy that they're not going to shy away from using. Uh, I think they they like the they like the cut of his jib, as some people might say. Um, but, uh, I think that he's, a, he, he's a guy that they're going to try and use, but Justin Lane, absolutely. He's going to get the opportunity to play at some point. Um, I'm interested to see how he does in camp, who they match him up with, how he does in those spots. Um, uh, if he comes out, you know, looking like a fighter, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe Julio will get his wish. Yeah. All right. So th- thank you to Andrew and Julio for writing in again. You can uh, write us in at LO Steelers on Twitter, or you can join the Facebook group, ask us a question there. And we will read it here on the air. All right, that'll do it for us today. Chris, let people know where they can find your work. As always, you can find me at Carter Critiques on Twitter. Hit me in the DMs or hit me up and just at me, man. Just come at me. We can have good conversations. I have Chargers fans, it's, it's at Carter Critiques. Sorry, at, I mean that. At Carter Critiques. Yeah. Come at me, Chargers <laughs> fans. Say what you want to say. I said it. I ain't backing down. But that's, that's, that's how we roll. I'm the lead NFL analyst for GKPittsburghSports.com, where – I break down film regularly in Carter's classroom Monday through Friday. We're breaking it down. We've done Terrell Edmonds. We've we've done uh, Matt Fowler and a core four. Now we got uh, now now we got Vince Williams and Devin Bush and why they might be the best hope for Keith Butler to save his job in the NFL. Uh, but re- check us out at DKPittsburghSports.com. We cover the Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins. And you can try us out just for 99 cents. If you like us, stick with us. If you don't, we thank you for checking us out. But we promise we'll give you all the Pittsburgh sports content you need. You can find me on Twitter at Steeler Country. And we'll be back back tomorrow for more Locked On Steelers.